All right, well, let's take our Bibles. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, all right? I am working on the quiz that when we're done with the last lesson, we're going to give a quiz on all of these. Some of you are like, what? <laughs> we'll just pick one of the names, and you have to list the lessons of faith from that name. We'll see how that goes. There's faith right there, amen? Faith that we remember the names, let alone the lessons. Some of these I don't think I can spell. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith. Uh, This week I was actually asked uh, by someone, do you think science proves the existence of God. My answer was those three verses. Verse 3 says, it's through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. You can't prove it. God said you have to accept it. Amen. Now, the science does back up the Bible. The more that, the, when, it, when science doesn't look like it does back up the Scriptures, it's because we don't have enough of the right science yet. Because the Bible's never wrong. But But all those things that we believe about creation and about all that, it must be accepted by faith. Uh, Hebrews, uh, I'm sorry, Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Probably, to me, the most encouraging thing about these studies we see in that verse, in that these people that you and I may not have looked at as people of faith, we think, well, they did this wrong in their life, they did that wrong, yet God listed them. Why? Because there were times in their life when they did go from faith to faith. We looked at Gideon and, and, and all the, the failures he had, his weaknesses and his doubt, yet God said he was a mighty man, a man of valor. Uh, when God said that he wasn't that yet, aren't you glad God looks beyond what we are to what he knows we can be? And these lessons of faith, I think, are very helpful to us uh, we've looked at all these different individuals throughout the chapter, and we got to verse number 32. Uh, if you'll jump down to that, what shall I more say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. This is where God shifts from using one verse, or a group of verses about one person. He uses one verse to describe a bunch of them, and, and doesn't tell us a whole lot about some of those. We have to go back in the context of the Old Testament to see what God says about them, and that's where we have been. We looked for a couple weeks at Gideon, and uh, we looked that this verse here in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 32, shows us that uh, God put that setting of those individuals with with Gideon and Abarak and Samson and Jephthah. They they all took place during the time of the judges, and I was studying through the judges this week. It's interesting how long some of them judged. Deborah was a judge for 40 years. That one shocked me when I started looking at all of that. And and, uh, we saw uh, then with Gideon his character, and then we saw his doubt. Last week we looked at the lessons of faith from Barak, uh, one of those Bible characters most of us just don't know a whole lot about. And we find out the the real main person of the story was Deborah. She was the judge. He was the general. Uh, Yet we saw in him how that uh, he was chosen uh, and, and he led the army into battle. And uh, we, we saw last week some things about his life that he had to learn to have faith, to trust the leadership that God had given him. He wasn't the leader. 
He followed the leader. But because of that, God greatly used him. Uh, as we made mention, he was not the one making the decision. He was the one carrying out the decision. Sometimes we look at these Bible characters and we think they were super saints. You know, they never had a failing. They were never weak. No, they were. And I love these stories God gives us because it shows us they're just like we are. There's no different. And if they can be people of faith, so can we. And, uh, and with him, uh, we saw he had the faith to be part of a team. I love that about him, uh, that he worked in the setting where God had placed him. As one old preacher put it, he bloomed where God planted him. Amen. And uh, he had faith to serve when he didn't get the credit. God told him at the beginning, you're not going to get the credit. It's going to go to somebody else. But he served anyway. And he had faith to stay on task. He did not get sidetracked and get off point. He stayed with what God made him to do. But now if we look again at verse number 32, what shall I more say for time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. We're going to talk about Samson this morning. And uh, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll get into the lesson. Father, help us as we look at this uh, lesson of, of your servant Samson and as we look at his life and we'll see some things that I think will be challenging to us. We'll see his failures. We'll see his weaknesses. But you chose to list him as, as one of those heroes of faith. May we as believers realize that you can use us no matter what our background is, no matter what failings we have had, you can still put your hand upon us and use us if we will live by faith. So I pray you to help us as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. As you study the life of, of Samson, most of us probably don't realize he judged Israel for 20 years. We just think of a few stories, but he judged for 20 years. The Bible doesn't tell us the full story. One of the exciting things when we get to heaven, we're going to find out about stuff God didn't write down. Amen? And, uh, but this one, Samson's one of those, when I was doing the original study and reading about these great heroes of faith, you come to verse 23 and, Samson? Wait, wait, wait a minute, Samson, the one who, who, who visited prostitutes and the one who turned away from God, and that's a man of faith? Yeah, God said so. And uh, he's one that I don't know that I would have put in the list. But God did. When we look at the life of Samson, we see he had some major problems in his life. Um, and it cost him. It cost him his life. Sin always has a price tag. You can't run from sin. You're going you're to get the consequences. You'll reap what you sow. But we see that God did use him. Um, he, the first time that we see him displaying his strength is he kills a lion with his bare hands. I have a rule about hunting. I don't hunt things that hunt me back. If it wants to eat me, I'm not hunting it. All right, That's just the way it works. He killed a lion with his bare hands. Uh, then he, in a wedding, at his wedding celebration, he killed 30 Philistines. Um, he later slew a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass. Can you imagine that one? Um, you know, at Gaza, he tears the city gates loose along with the, the posts and carries them away and puts them up on a hill. Um, his last act, of course, was to bring down the pagan temple and killing 3,000 Philistines along with himself. But he did demonstrate some faith. We, we understand his failures, and we'll look at that uh, not in this lesson, but in the next one. Uh, he was the strongest man at the time. 
but he wasn't a bodybuilder. We got all these pictures of him. You know, he got this big hulking man, you know, with these bulging muscles, kind of like me. And, you know, just, wait a minute, why are you laughing? But it wasn't that way at all. Because if he did all that and looked like that, they would have attributed that to him rather than God. Uh, the Philistines had to ask, where does your strength come from? If he was a bodybuilder, everybody said, well, he goes to the gym and works out. Yeah, he picks up gates of the city and, you know. No. It, it, when he looked at him, he didn't look like somebody who could do that. It was, it was a touch of God that caused that. God had given him special abilities. Um, he was, and we're going to talk about this one in just a moment. He was a Nazarite. Um, I mean, his hair was, was not cut. And, and uh, he was to deliver Israel. That was what, what he was to do. But as you look at the life of Samson, much like the life of Moses, you have to begin the study with his parents. Because that's where we see the basis for his faith. If you would take your Bibles and go to the book of Judges, chapter number 13. Judges 13. And we're going to have to go quickly this morning because some of us took too long on our test. I love you read those and you, you study those, you cut it all down and you get there with a sheet of paper in front of you and your mind is as blank as those slots are in there, you know, like, wait a minute, I know this. Yeah, apparently not. Amen. Judges 13. And the Bible says, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Remember that, that cycle we talked about? Here it is again. And the Lord delivered them. Well, what a, what a wonderful God we have. He is so long-suffering. Children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them in, uh, into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Here they are. They're, they've turned away from God. God's judging them. He's delivered them into the hand of the Philistines. But even when he does that, he's got a plan. And he comes to, to this man, Manoah, and his wife, and he says, you're going to have a child. Um, look at verse number 6. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told me his name. Look at verse number uh, 8. And then Manoah uh, entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman as she sat at the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. First thing I want you to see about his parents, we're talking about Samson, and how could he have a, 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 a lessons of faith in his life? How can we see any faith? It starts with this. His parents knew the voice of God. God came to this lady and told her that she was going to have a child and, and it came to her husband and uh, we see that he came. Uh, his mother recognized the voice of God. It said there in verse 3, the angel Lord appeared unto the woman, said unto her. Verse number 6, the woman came and told her husband, saying, a man of God came unto me. And, and his countenance was like the angel of God. Um, verse number 8, we see his father 
the, then, the, then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, oh, oh, my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us. Verse number 9, and, and God hearkened to the voice of Manoah. Manoah knew how to pray, and he knew how to get answers to prayer. Why would God use Samson? It started with a set of parents that knew God. They knew his voice. The greatest thing that my dad gave me was my faith. I learned about God from him. I learned about studying the scriptures from him. I learned about being faithful to church from him. As parents, the greatest thing we give to our children is not a financial inheritance. It's to give them faith. Much like Moses, who for the first 40 years of his life was under the tutelage of Egypt, but for those early few years, we don't know how long it was before he was weaned, that he was taken from his mother and gone into the house of Pharaoh, but they had put enough of God in him that when he was a full 40 years old, as, as uh, Acts 7 says, that it came into his heart to deliver the children of Israel. Very much like Noah's, or Moses' parents influenced him, Samson's parents influenced him. They knew how to pray. Uh, look in verse number 2. And there was a certain man of, of Zorah of the fam, family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel Lord appeared unto the woman, said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. She was barren, she couldn't have children. But just like God did for Hannah, like he did for, for Elizabeth and Zacharias, and his, Manoah and his wife were given a son as a special gift from God. When you look at the life of Samson, you must remember he had parents that knew God and knew his voice. But second of all, he was specially given of God. Uh, God needed a leader for Israel, so he made one. He made Samson. The point is this. Every child is a gift from God. Boy, in our nation, we've got to get back to believing that and practicing that. Psalm 127.3, Lord, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So I was looking back over these notes and studying, and, you know, May the 13th, 2015, our Congress in House Resolution 36 put out a bill to ban late-term abortions. Now look where we are today. Where you've got the state of New York, the state of Virginia, that's gone way beyond that, now is, is legalizing post-birth abortions, infanticide, the murdering of born children. You and I have got to understand we cannot soften our stand on abortion. Think about Manoah and his wife. They'd not had a child. Then God says, you're going to have one. I'm going to send you one. And just as God specifically gave Samson and, uh, to, to Manoah and his wife, God gave you to your family. You realize you don't get to choose your family? You don't get to fill out an application. This is what I want for a dad. This is what I want for mom. But God placed you where he wanted you. Every life's precious to God. They knew this little boy was special from God. You know, as parents, that ought to cause us to change our prayer life. We realize God entrusted those children to us for a reason. That gives me, uh, look at verse number five, and we're kind of hurrying to get to this one. 
verse number five. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Notice the last sentence, the last part of the line. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, Samson's parents, they knew the voice of God. They knew he was specially given of God, but they also knew God had a plan for his life. When Samson was born, it was not just so Manoah could have a little boy to teach baseball or football in our house, amen? No, he said his job is to deliver Israel. That's going to be his job. He's going to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Uh, you see, God wasn't surprised when Manoah and his wife had a baby boy. No, God had planned that and purposed that. Uh, take your Bibles, go back to the book of Genesis. We're going to come back to Judges, but go to Genesis. And look at verse, uh, let's see, we'll start in verse number 5. Genesis 5. This is God recounting part of the story of creation. Verse number 5, And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So God had created all these plants. He's got all these, these, these crops. He's got all this stuff that needs to happen. He said, but there was not a man to till the uh, chapter 2, I'm sorry, Genesis 2, verse 5. There was not a man to till the ground. Look at verse number uh, 6. But it came up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth. Verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground and made the Lord, to grow every, Lord God to grow every tree. Uh, that is pleasant to the sight and good for food and the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, the, and a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it parted and became four heads. All right, so you see all the things God had created. Now jump down to verse number 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that thou shalt eat of it, thou shalt, thereof thou shalt surely die. Now here's the point. Verse number 5, God said he had a garden. He had, he had uh, or, I'm sorry, it was before the garden. He had, uh, he had plants that were, that were in the ground. He had, he had all of this stuff that he created. He said, but there wasn't a man to care for it. So what did he do? He made a man. Uh, I teach from this chapter that about the work ethic, God made man to work. In the Garden of Eden, before sin, in perfection, man had a job. Brother, I'll just say this, before he had a wife, he had a job. I've counseled a lot of young men, like, guys, look at this. You need to have a job. You need to have some money. Amen? Um, but the thought is this. God needed someone to take care of his, his creation, to take care of the garden, so he made a man to do it. Every one of us are created for a specific task. Uh, none of us are, are irrelevant. Samson was, uh, was, was given to his parents, why? To deliver the, the children of Israel from the Philistines. Um, 
Adam was, was, was put in the garden to till the garden, to take care of the garden, uh, to care for it, to keep it. Uh, Samuel was given to do what? To be a prophet. Uh, I love, go to the book of um, um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1. I love this one. Look at verse number 4. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Man, that's a sweet sound to me. Hearing those pages turn. I love it. Thank you for turning. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. So this is before conception. God said, I knew you, Jeremiah. And before thou camest forth of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Why was Jeremiah born? He needed a prophet. God needed a prophet, so he made one. Um, John the Baptist, he was given uh, to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Uh, I love what, what Les Roloff said about John the Baptist. He was God's bulldozer to make straight the crooked ways. Amen. Um, God has made each of us for a specific task. Success in life is not making a bunch of money and having a great job and having a bunch of stuff to leave to your children. None of that's wrong. But success is finding what God made you to do and go do that. That's success. It doesn't matter if the world ever knows about it. Now put that in the light of Samson. When we think of Samson, we think of Samson and Delilah. You realize that's just one part? of his life, he was a judge that God used for 20 years. He was made for a purpose, and we'll talk about it more in the next lesson, but you understand he accomplished his purpose. He began to deliver Israel from the Philistines. God used him. Now, when we look at his life, like there's a lot of things we don't want to copy. That's correct. But he was a man that was made for a purpose. One of our duties as parents is to help our children find out the purpose for which they were created and help them get to that place, that success. Um, I remember when, when uh, our son John was a, uh, he had just graduated from high school. We'd asked all of our kids, we want you when you get out of high school to go to at least one year of Bible college. No matter what God's got for your life, I want you to go there and just get a good foundation. And John, as a young boy, had walked an aisle in a school chapel and surrendered to preach like every other boy in the youth group. And I remember when, one day when he was just getting out of high school and was trying to decide what he was going to do next. And uh, I took him out to eat. We just sat and talked. He said, Dad, you remember as a boy, I walked an aisle and I, I, I made that decision. He said, but honestly, Dad, Everybody else was doing that. I just thought that's what we did. He said, but Dad, I don't feel like God's called me to be a preacher. And I know that disappoints you. I said, son, I'm not disappointed at all. I want you to do whatever it is God made you to do. I'm called to be a preacher of the gospel. No doubt about that. I know that's what God wants for my life. But I don't know what God wants for you. My job as a parent is to help our children find out what it is God made them for. Now, we've got to be careful how we steer them. We're going to get to that in a minute. Um, But we can't put on our lives our agenda. 
Well, I've always wanted you know, a son or a daughter to do this. Well, that's not our business. We should not expect them just to follow our career path. God may have something very different for them. We cannot live vicariously through our children. Something we wanted to do but didn't get to do, so we're going to have them do it. Man, have I seen that one. We must point them to God. We must teach them to seek God. It is interesting, after Samson had been blinded by the Philistines, he was bound, he was grinding like an animal, walking around in a circle, grinding grain. The Bible says the hair of his head began to grow. What's that? That's God's mercy. He's, he's being made fun of by the, the Philistines. They've got him chained between these two pillars of this great temple. And Samson knew to call upon God. He said, God, let me, would you give me my strength one more time? And allow me to defeat them one more time. You know what that tells me, preacher? He knew what his purpose in life was. Yeah, he made a lot of mistakes. He sinned. But the end of his life, the last day of his life, he knew exactly what God wanted him to do, and he knew who to talk to about it. He went to God, and God used him one more time. I want you to look at Judges 13. We've got to hurry. I think we've got just enough time to cover this one. Judges 13, and look at verse number 8. talk about Samson's parents. His parents knew the voice of God. They knew he was specially given of God. God had a plan for his life. But look at verse number 8. We'll read down through verse number 12. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst send, come again unto us, notice this, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of of God came again unto the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me and came unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass, how we shall order the child, and how we shall do unto him. His parents knew the voice of God. They knew he was specially given of God. They knew he had a special purpose for his life. But number four, his parents were to train him to serve God. Notice verse 8. When Manoah comes to the Lord, he said, Come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that should be born. None of us, when we became parents, knew what we were supposed to do. Before we were parents, we thought we knew. We had it all figured out. <laughs> well, yeah, if I ever have a child, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. My kid will never do that. Oh, yeah, just hang on to that thought. Manoah and his wife knew we don't know enough to raise our child for God, so God, you must help us. Uh, would you come and teach us, it says there in verse number 8, what we shall do. Verse number 12, and Manoah said, Let now thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do unto him? 
Their job as parents were to spend time with God and learn how to raise that boy by the commandments of God. And they did that. That's why at the end of his life, he knew where to come back to. None of our children are going to be perfect because they don't have perfect parents. They're all going to, at some point, do things that will disappoint us. There'll be things that we'll look at like, that's a really dumb decision. We need to stop, number one, and think, yep, and I could go have this conversation with my mom and dad, and they would give a list too. Amen. But our job is to teach them that no matter where they go, they'll come back to what they've been taught. If your child's not doing what you want them to do right now, I mean, they're grown and they're out of the house, just keep working with them, keep praying, and asking God to remind them of those things that you taught them. That's what happened to the life of Samson. Where did he get his faith? He got it from mom and dad that taught him. I love Psalm 78, verse number four. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Verse number six, Psalm 78. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who shall arise and declare them to their children. In Judges 13 and 14, we see that Manoah and his wife obeyed the Lord and they taught their son. Even when Samson was making very bad decisions and wanted to go after the hearted, wanted to go after the Philistine woman, dad sat him down and said, son, this isn't a wise decision. By the way, as an adult, uh, you got adult children, don't be afraid to go to them. There are times you just got to still be the parent. Amen. You're not done parenting when your kids leave the house. Look at verse number 7 of Judges 13. But he said unto them, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and, and uh, now drink no wine, nor strong drink, neither eat thou uh, eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Now here's God commanding his mother, Your son's going to be a Nazarite. Part of the Nazarite vows you didn't drink any wine. For strong drink. You didn't eat any unclean meat. So God says to his mother, while she's carrying that child, you're not to do that either. You're not going to have the right, you're not going to be a Nazarite. But your boy is, like you talked about the other night. She had to limit some things in her life for the sake of her son. There are times as parents, we've got to limit what might be okay for us to do but would be harmful for our children. Verse number seven, but he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now drink no more wine or strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Our desire to see our children be all that God wants them to be should cause us to remove anything from our life that would hinder that. I'm concerned about parents that they get all worked up and they get their life all focused about entertainment and got to have all these, you know, fancy things in their family and got to have all these vacations and they teach their children on vacation. You don't need to go to church. You just, you know, you're on vacation. And then they're surprised during the rest of the year when their kids don't want to go to church. We go on vacation. uh, The first thing we do is if we're going to go someplace, all right, where is a place to go to church? Um... 
Give me just a minute. I'm going to tell you a quick story. When Rhonda and I were getting ready to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary, we wanted to go to Hawaii. I was an assistant pastor of church. We didn't have the money to do that. But I wanted, we wanted to go. We just wanted to go. And uh, one of the men in our Sunday school class that I was teaching came to me and said, Redmond, where, what are you and your wife going to do on your 30th wedding anniversary? I said, I don't know. He said, well, what do you guys want to do? I said, we want to go to Hawaii. He said, oh, okay. When do you guys want to go? And I told him what dates we wanted to go. He said, that's great. We'll pray about that. He came to me the next Sunday. <clears throat> he said, my wife and I, we fly all the time. We have tons of miles. We'll buy your tickets for you. I said, hallelujah. So we did. We scheduled it. And, uh, but then I started pricing what it costs to stay in Hawaii. I called my soul. It didn't cost me anything to get there, but I'm going to be living on the beach under an umbrella. And we were really struggling with it. We were looking at it. Okay, I think if we can afford this, we're going to be staying at Motel 6, you know. And, uh, but then we started looking at where are we going to go church while we're there. And so we began to investigate. We found a good church. We were going to go to the Waikiki Beach area. And we found a pastor in Honolulu. So I called him. Or actually, I, t- I emailed him. And then he called me. And I said, I just, you know, we're going to be coming to Hawaii. We want to know when your church services are, what day of the week, what time. Because we're going to come to church. We talked for a little while. He said, where are you staying? I said, I have no idea. He said, well, one of the men of our church is the manager of a four-star hotel right on Waikiki Beach. Let me call him. Make a real long story short. We stayed for eight days for $260. For the eight days, not a day. In that hotel. Amen. Then we got to rent a car, and they, you have to pay to park it at the hotel. He called me back. He said, don't worry about trying to find a car. One of the men in our church is a Navy officer. He just got deployed. He left a car with me. He said, if a preacher comes in town, needs a car, let him use it for free. We've already paid the hotel. You'll just park it there. We went to Hawaii for 260 bucks. Why'd that happen? We chose we're going to go to church first. And God said, okay, you can do that. I'm going to help you. Yeah. Amen. We see in the life of, of Samson, his parents, they took out of the things out of his life that would keep him from being what God wanted him to be. His parents knew the voice of God. He was specially given of God. God had a plan for his life. His parents were to train him how to serve God. In the next lesson, we'll see the results of Samson when he obeyed and when he didn't. But just remember, in all of that, God said that was a man of faith. That ought to encourage you. That ought to help you understand that God will use us if we'll just come back to him and serve him in faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your book. It's perfect. It's complete. Help us to learn to live in it and to follow these principles that we see displayed over and over again. May we demonstrate the kind of faith that that. Manoah did and his wife did so that Samson, even when he made the wrong choices, knew where to come back to and how to then begin to live by faith. Help us to live that way this week in Jesus' name. Amen.